Now, for those of you who follow my personal social media pages, you know that I mentioned a while back that I had a big announcement that I was going to be making. Well, yesterday I officially went public with it, and I am happy to announce here on the Boochcast that Booch Fest is returning. And it is coming to the Anchor Bar in Kennesaw, Georgia. Located at 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. Again, that address is 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. The show will be taking place on November 3rd at 8 p.m. And that will be the first of many shows that will be taking place on a bi-weekly basis, which means starting November 3rd, every other Thursday, there will be a comedy showcase at the Anchor Bar. The show will be hosted by me, and it will feature some of the funniest comics the Atlanta comedy scene has to offer. Some have been doing it for years, some who are relatively new, and some who may even be stepping on a comedy stage for the very first time time all comedy acts no matter how long they've been performing are welcome to be in this show so come on down for a great night of comedy as the booch is taking over kennesaw and on december 10th combat pro wrestling presents seasons beatings at Eastside High School, located at 1300 Brushy Creek Drive, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. Again, that address is 1300 Brushy Creek Road, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. I, of course, will be the ring announcer for this event, and the show will be featuring special guest general manager, WWE Hall of Famer, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Also scheduled to appear are... The Cowboy James Storm, the legendary Barbarian, the Greater Good Garrett Sinclair, Forever Young Devin Cruz, from AEW Griff Garrison, the Russian Wolf Neil Koloff, from Tosh.0 Dave Wills, it's still real to me damn it, the All-American Blue Chipper Chase Emery, Buckshot Brian Brock, NWA Tag Team Champions and NWA United States Tag Team Champions. The Heat Seekers. Born Scum Chase Lovelace. Stan the Man Lee. From AEW Dark and Friday Night SmackDown, Marcus Cross. Outlaw Randy Wayne. From AEW Dark, The Brolic, Tyson Maddox. The Gimmick Destroyer, Dave Stage. And many, many more stars. Be sure to follow them on social media via Facebook at Combat Pro Wrestling, Twitter at Real Combat Pro, and on Instagram at Combat underscore Pro underscore Wrestling. To find out more information on superstars that will be added and when the tickets will be on sale. I am so excited to be part of this show. I look forward to ring announcing and I also look forward to seeing all of you in Taylor, South Carolina, as we do a benefit show for the Eastside High School Weightlifting Department. So come on out for a great show and let's help the students of Eastside High make some motherfucking games.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. This week, we've got a special treat for you guys, because not only have we finally reached the end of our WCW 1997 uh, secession run, but also a certain individual finally showed up to work. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome back the one, the only, the finally on time, Gator Ricky Ross. First off, thank you for giving me the clap. Secondly, I'm going on my break. Goodbye, Mr. Bushwinner. Oh, no, the fuck you're not. <laughs> to hell, you've had enough breaks, my friend. Anyway, hello, children. Mr. Bushwinner, I'm following my dream now. Hmm, well, that explains your absence. What's your dream? Mr. Bushwinner, you remember the Wiggles? Yes, uh, vaguely. I've, I've never heard their music, but I'm familiar with who they are. But you, remember the, you, remember, you do remember those kids' bands. I always wanted to be a children's pop singer. Okay, this is news to me. You've never once mentioned wanting to do that. Yes, I always wanted to be one. Okay, and why is that? Because I always wanted to be around the kids. You know, pull up in a little white van with my name on it, give the kids puppies and candy. It's a great thing. Yeah, I see. And um, am I to assume that you shave off three quarters of your facial hair for this experience? No, why? Well, I don't know. This Most of the... Most people who follow that dream often have mustaches. I mean, I do have a mustache, but I want to keep the rest of my facial hair. Okay, I guess that, uh... Because I don't want to look like Jeffrey Dahmer. I got the glasses and the... Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, you don't want to do that. that that's not good. You don't want to look like Uncle Jeffrey. <laughs> no, that's not safe. But I, but I read some children's songs, may I? Sure. Let's get this out of the way. Mr. Bedrilli, uh now, these are children's songs. Now, they're short and sweet, because, you know, they're children's songs. Yes. Well, well that and... I ran out of whiskey. Okay. So, anyway, <clears throat> here's the first one. We eat for free, we don't pay rent, and most of us are accidents. <laughs> okay. Oh, Tommy went and got a big trench coat. Doo-dah, doo-dah. He went and got an M80. No, 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 no. Here we go. Here we go. Here's the next one. He's Cliff Clop, the racist horse cop. He comes to you and you are. If you're a black guy, he'll stop on your face. The hell is wrong with you? Nothing. These are great songs for the children. None of these are appropriate for children. These are great for the children. I, the, oh, the, the first song. Once upon a midnight dreary, I stuck a fork in a light socket. Okay. And it was shocking. <laughs> That one's pretty good. Two out of four. Two out of four. I'm saying two of them are good if you could expand on the lyrics. Oh, he's Uncle Touchy. Uncle Touchy. He's real friendly towards you and me. Uncle Touchy. He's Uncle Touchy. He likes to grab you below your knee. No, 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 no. No. Keep it above the waist, Unc. That's the rule. It is the power of consent. 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 You know you can't catch me there without consent. That's a good song. That's something kids need to learn. Oh, Bubba the butt plug, he was fun. He liked to be between your fun. But no, no, no. What? He's big and brown and lots of fun. okay, okay. You made your point. You made your point. You made your point. These are great songs for the children. Some of them are, but there's a lot that aren't. Your Uncle Uncle Gator is a a wonderful musician. Yes, but not every song 
song is it's gold. It's a wonderful musician. That doesn't mean every song you do is great, okay? I'm also I'm also writing a musical. A musical? Yes. This is this is the shit you've been doing when you're supposed to be fucking here? Yes. I'm also writing a musical that's called Forrest Gump the Musical. Forrest Gump the Musical? Yes. Why? Why why do you think Forrest Gump needs to be on Broadway? Because it does. My mama didn't talk much. She didn't say much at all. All she would say is life's like a box of chocolates. And that was all. I'd go off on my own then. And I'd be running. And then Jenny, she was hoeing. Yeah, that wasn't too much funny. Dude, dude. Forrest was too stupid to know that Jenny was hoeing. Oh, oh, I got shot in the booty cheeks. Shot in the booty cheeks. Shot in the booty cheeks. It hurt. Dude, that's not how it goes. Forrest said the butt talk. You can't say booty cheeks. I'm taking artistic liberties. Yes, and in the process, you're ruining one of the greatest movies of all time. No, I am not. I'm trying to write a musical. Okay, okay. You got no legs, Lieutenant Stan. It's Dan. I mean, Dan. Stan is the cartoon, and he had no arms. Got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. This fucking guy. Still, you got... (laughs) You might not have legs, but you still have a heart. Okay, this one, this one's good. It needs a little work, but that one I like. Okay, that's great. And then I'm also writing Candyman the musical. No, we're not. We're not talking about Candyman no more. No, yeah, no. I'm also writing Candyman the musical. It's great. Do I even want to know? Do I really want to know? Yes. yes. Say my name. Say my name. <laughs> Tell me that you love me. You're gonna get sued by Destiny's Child. I don't give a fuck. Say my name. Say my name. And then they say his name, and he goes, "How do you do, I?" Yeah, you've met my faithful right hand. He's just a little brought down. Because when you called, I had to come out and be the candy man. No, you, you, you're, you're on the right track, but that's not good lyrics. But these are great lyrics. These are great lyricals. No, you, it needs work. You need, you need to go back to the drawing board, Gator. No, there wasn't a drawing board. I mean, it's a, it's a song about poverty in black America. I can, I know how to write this. It's a metaphor, genius. And no. I know how to write songs about poverty in black America. Yeah, no. They are no. the hoes on me again. No, no, no. What? You are not going to sing about poverty and the black community. That's what, but that's what the entire musical is about. Candyman, what? Yes, that's exactly what Candyman musical is about. Is that even what, can, Candyman wasn't about poverty. Poverty in the black community? Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. The remake was. Fuck the remake. Remakes don't count. They butcher the, the original all the time. One, the original one exploded exponentially. Are you fucking with me right now? No. Because I've never even watched Candyman, but now I suddenly have the urge to with all this extra shit yeah, I'm learning. Yeah, you must watch Candyman. Candyman's a great movie. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this week at, we are once again getting back into the pay-per-view reviews. As you know, this is done. These are done usually by myself and finally with Gator Ricky Ross as opposed to last week. Yep, gotta go, bye. Fucking don't you leave me, motherfucker. Don't puss out on me now. And what we do here is we look at classic pay-per-views from WWE, WCW, and ECW. And we do them from the perspective of two people who not only are fans of wrestling, but also from the perspective of two people who work in the business. Gator is, of course, a wrestler, a manager, a, he's been a referee, he's done commentary, ring announcing, pot the popcorn, teaches at a school. He pretty much has the industry covered. I, myself, am a commentator 
fighter, ring announcer. I've done street team shit that I'll never fucking do again. Um, I've been a manager in the ring, out of the ring. I pretty much got the industry covered as well. And this week, ladies and gentlemen, as I mentioned before, we're nearing the end of our 97 run with the infamous Starcade 1997. The 97 Starcade was the 15th annual Starcade produced by World Championship Wrestling, and it was held on December 28th, 1997, at the MCI Center in Washington, D.C. There was it was se- important to hold the Starcade. Yes, because it culminates a year-long feud between good and evil. Yes, God it- and the devil himself. Yes, and we had seven. There were 17,500 people in attendance. The tagline is Hogan's a colorful guy, but his nightmares black and white. Paybacks are hell. Weird yeah, ass fucking timeline. Anyway, but of course we, we had. Open. We open. No, uh, d- hold on. Uh, we got Tony Schiavone, Dusty Rhodes, and Mike Tanay on commentary. Gene Oakland, Randy Anderson, Scott Dickinson on uh, Mickey J and Nick Patrick and Charles Robinson and Billy Silverman as the referees. That's a lot of fucking referees. And we got Michael Buffer and David Penzer as ring announcers. So we open. Yes. So we kick things off now. Before we officially kick things off, uh, important piece of information you need to know about the pay per view before we get started. Many WCW stars were sitting in the audience in anticipation of the match between Sting and Hollywood Hogan. Some of these guys, in my opinion, should have had matches. I have no idea why. Uh, also, Kevin Nash no showed to face the Giant. He was supposed they were supposed to have a match at Starcade, and this is also the first ever wrestling event in the MCI Center. So anyway, we kick things off with our first official match of the evening for the WCW Cruiserweight Title. Eddie Guerrero defends the title against Dean Malenko. One and a half years earlier, these two had a great series of matches in ECW. Heel Eddie and his Latino World Order theme, it rules. They jump right into the action, and the crowd is surprisingly hot for Dean. He counters Arana with a stiff, stiff, all fucking capitals S-T-I-F powerbomb, followed by a all fucking capitals fine buster. Eddie takes a breather outside, which allows Shivani to reach, do-do-do, I fucked that up, which allows Dean to reach for an outsider's reference. Shivani to reach for an outsider's reference. Malenko grounds the champ for a while. Tony knows nothing, saying Eddie cut off Dean's momentum, blah, 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 blah. Texas Cloverleaf attempt fails. Eddie kicks the knee. Eddie also busts out a missile drop kick through the knee. It's different. With Dean down, he follows with the frog splash on the bad knee and retains 14 minutes 56 seconds. I dug the psychology here. Dean's specialty is fucking submission. Eddie turned it around on him, continually attacked it. The match made a ton of sense to Still, not a patch of bad work here. Good shit. Uh, yes. Very good shit. We had, uh, and to be exact, the time was 14 minutes 57 seconds, and this this was a hell of a great opening match. I enjoyed this immensely. Again, it's a cruiserweight title match with psychology, which is still weird for me to see, especially with where wrestling is today. Um, I do see, I do like a few moments like um, Eddie kicking uh, Dean in the gut, goes for a Mexican arm drag into a hurricanrana, but Dean power bombs him. I immediately said, thank you, God. That was my reaction to that. Because I was glad to see the Mexican arm drag get countered because as, as I mentioned, with such passion and disdain on last week's show. I fucking hate I fucking hate the Mexican arm drag. I hate it. Yeah. It is my least favorite move in wrestling. I fucking hate this move. Hate it. Uh, so I was glad to see that powerbomb. Uh, at one point, a fan tries to pick a fight with Eddie. He says, I wouldn't waste my time. I thought that was funny. He then throws Dean back in the ring. Eddie locks the knee with his arms for a weird submission. What the fuck was that? Do you really want to know? Yeah. Reverse surfboard. Okay, because I was like, okay, I was wondering what that term was. And it's then... a reverse surfboard or a variation of a surfboard. Yeah, and then 
he nailed the powerbomb for a two so, count. That was close call. Similar to an octa, to an octopus hole. Yeah, but yeah, those were those were the highlights that I found in this match because I was like, at one point Eddie nails a powerbomb for a two count. I was like, that was a close call because I think uh, as Gator mentioned, it was pretty stiff. Um, but overall, these guys, yes, but overall these guys really brought the fight and it was a good it was a good opening match. This is the match you needed to set the tone for Starcade, and I felt these guys did a great job overall. Like these yeah. are two of the best yeah. to ever do it. Yes, yes. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We got us a six-man tag match. We have the NWO, represented by Scott Norton, Vincent, and Macho Man Randy Savage, with with Miss Elizabeth, versus Ray Taylor and the Steiner Brothers, with Ted DiBiase. One of these things just doesn't belong there. This whole entire clusterfuck was fucking terrible. It gets a one star. The crowd popped for an elbow when Savage, as a heel, that was about it. This whole fucking thing was a clusterfuck. It sucked. It it is it is time in your life that you would rather be hitting yourself in the nuts with a hammer. All right. Well, it was definitely a clusterfuck of a match. It was just random. It was thrown in there. I I don't know why. I I, I think it was a filler more than anything. But um, that's, see that, that that's what it that's what it looks like to me. Yeah. Uh, at one point, um, uh, Norton was running at Scott. He booted him in the face. He goes for a double axe handle, but Norton picks him up and nails a Samoan drop. For some reason, they called it a fallaway slam, but I think that was a Samoan drop, personally. Because I've seen fallaway slams. They don't operate like that. Right. Usually, you know, fallaway slam is you got the guy in a scoop position and you flip him over your head. Samoan drop, they're on the shoulders and you fall backwards. That's a Samoan drop. So that's exactly what Norton did. Now, if they felt, if they were trying to avoid that because he's not Samoan, that's fucking stupid because it doesn't matter who's doing it. That's the name of the fucking move. So, yes, yes, you can be white and do a Samoan drop. Yes. Scott goes after Randy, but he puts Liz in front of him like a human shield. Steiner picks her up and moves her out of the way and then throws him back in the ring. My exact words were, I fucking love this. And the reason I love this so much is because I love when, you know, baby faces don't allow the heel to put a human, a female human shield in front of them. I've always thought that spot was stupid. Always. Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's a stupid spot. It's unnecessary. It's a shitty. And the fact that it makes you stop in your tracks, especially when you're going after somebody who has clearly fucked you over, it's stupid. There's no justification. It's fucking dumb. So when Steiner's just like, move, bitch, get out the way, I enjoy that. Get out that. the way, bitch, get out the way. So, I don't fucking with you. Little stupid, stupid ass, ass bitch, I ain't fucking with you. you. And of course, in the end, Norton puts Scott on his shoulders, does an electric chair drop, and then Randy nails the elbow drop for the win. Uh, love the combo there from the New World Order to give that a shot. I like that. Um, Vincent was clearly trying to work here. I guess he did, eh, but not so much. And like we said, this was basically well, filler. We can but... all tell who the weak link was. Yes, and it, it, it did its job, basically. It was just killing time, I guess. I'm assuming this match was thrown in because Kevin Nash no-showed the event. That's my assumption. This was just, this was just something that get Randy Savage on the car so people didn't feel like they were getting fucked. Yeah, which explains why he got the win. Exactly what this was. It was all it was. Yes, and it was 11 minutes and 6 seconds long. Of our life, we can't get back. Exactly. So, on that note, on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We've got Steve McMichael versus Goldberg. Versus Goldberg. My no! No pyro yet for Goldberg. There's a bathroom break sign in the crowd. Goldberg is livid. It's like he had to sit in the back and watch an 
hour of fucking Mongo matches. He attacks during Mongo's entrance, carries him to the ring. Goldberg works the knee bar, doesn't know how to make the submission look fucking convincing, but whatever. He just sits there. Mongo kicks out of the spear for some reason. Goldberg sets up a table outside, wants to dump Mongo out there through it, but Mongo fights it all. Uh, he still ends up going through it inside. He rallies and tries the tombstone. He gets back out. Funny since he landed on his side, then going through the table. Jackhammer, 5 minutes, 58 seconds, even though Mongo nearly landed on his fucking neck. It was almost a glorious squash and an unrich and uninteresting one at that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, now this match was supposed to happen last month, you know, but Mongo took out Goldberg with the lead pipe. That's why we had to settle for him and Alex Wright again, which I don't want to relive that shit. Um, and I, and obviously Goldberg was, this was when he was like being the monster baby face that wasn't selling much. Although he did, Mongo would get him to sell quite a bit, <laughs> but you know, there were certain moves that didn't phase him. There was fights all over the place. Um, and at one point, uh, Mongo slams him in the apron, throws him back in the ring. He goes up top, goes for the black handle, but Goldberg punches him in the midsection and stomps him on the ground. Goldberg does a cross knee breaker, which I thought, which I put my exact words were, great submission and fuck you Desmond. And why did I say that? Because Goldberg has other moves. Mm -hmm. Desmond being ignorant to that is not going to change that. So that's why I put mm -hmm. fuck you Desmond because he's showing like what other moves did Goldberg do? Clearly you didn't watch enough. Um, and then at one point, Goldberg grabs the knee and falls backwards. Again, what is that move? No one ever explains what that move is. It's like a hyperextension kind of move, but and yet it doesn't seem to have a name. Uh, then at one point, Goldberg hit a spear that was not so great. Then at one point in the match, um, there's a table set up, which I thought was interesting. He picks him up, tries to slam through the table. Mongo grabs the ropes. Randy Anderson pulls on Goldberg, which causes Mongo to fall on him for a one count. Goldberg hits a drop kick. Again, another great, another move Goldberg has. Sending Mongo to the outside. And Goldberg has a pretty decent drop kick. I noticed that. I thought it was a very good drop kick. Um, not the best in the biz, but good enough. And for a big man, for a big man though that had barely any training, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He had a fairly decent drop kick. Then he knocks Mongo off the apron. He goes through the table, and the fans start chanting ECW. Yeah. Because they weren't used to seeing table spots in WCW much. But the fact that Goldberg had one, I thought was really cool. Again, it shows other sides to Goldberg. Uh, he goes for the Mongo spike, but his back gives out. He drops Goldberg. Goldberg gets up, hits him with the jackhammer for the win. And even I'll admit, the jackhammer was not very good in this match. So, But overall, I thought it was a decent fight. And it was a good showing for Goldberg. The two, who, guys, the two guys like them that are not completely trained and nobody in there really knew what the fuck they were doing, it wasn't bad. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This With the with, with, the, with the amount of training Mongo had and the experience that Goldberg had at this time, this match could have been a hell of a lot fucking worse. Yes, it could have. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We got ourselves a Ravens Rules match. Chris Benoit! Chris Benoit versus Saturn with Raven. One of the greatest to ever do it in the entire wrestling business. Um, yes, Raven is one of the best. That's why he's in the TNA Hall of Fame. Anyway, in the early going, the only part of this match even remotely hardcore is the interference from the floor. Saturn puts a fucking chin lock on in this no DQ match. You heard me say that correctly. <laughs> uh, Saturn's one high impact move is a double jump moonsault for a two count. WCW guys are shown in the crowd, including 
Mortis. Who thought of that Mortis? Casually sitting in street clothes with his mask. Chris Benoit crashes a Saturn clothesline, catches a Saturn clothesline into the Crypt of the Cross face. Uh, the flock jumps him to break things up. Saturn tries an acai moonsault. Benoit moves. He hit. He hits the flock. Uh, he was supposed to, but the flock dropped him. Benoit hits the diving headbutt, but again, the flock gets involved. Raven hits the even flow. And Saturn uses the rings of Saturn to beat the unconscious Chris Benoit at 10.49. Unconscious, what he should have been. <laughs> Massive disappointment. They barely used the stipulation, yet it was still overbooked. Worst part of it all is it was just a flat-out fucking dud. Yes, and originally, Raven was supposed to wrestle this match. But Raven said his... Raven was hurt. But Raven said his contract states that he can wrestle who he wants, when he wants, and where he wants. And he has chosen not to wrestle tonight. But instead, we'll have Saturn finish off the destruction of Chris Benoit. If only that actually happened. Benoit comes out and cuts... Benoit comes out and cuts a shitty promo, daring Raven to get in the ring. Raven comes up on the apron, and Saturn tries to attack him from behind, but Benoit chops him, and the bell rings. And In reality, though, Raven was actually... Yes. Um, now, of course, at one point, uh, Kidman jumps on the apron and Benoit knocks him off. Saturn then runs at Benoit and they fail to go over the top rope, which I think was a botch. Uh, they roll out and fight before Benoit sends Saturn in the guardrail. So, and then, of course, um, the only other highlight I saw was Saturn locked in the rings of Saturn. The ref called for the bell and it was a technical submission because Benoit didn't tap, but he was knocked out. So, basically, because he was unconscious, Saturn was able to get the win. And I guess at that time, they didn't want uh, Benoit to be tapped out um but either way that's a hell of a way to do it though yeah and either way it was like you said they it was a good match but for the stipulation they should have done more and with how personal the rivalry was it should have felt like more of a fight than it was yeah. they try to go out there and wrestle in a match that should have been a fight which is why it doesn't register with the audience and of course this match was 10 minutes and 50 seconds long and the match before that Goldberg and Mongo was 5 minutes and 59 seconds long so yes. and now it's time for Vinny Butcher to jack off. Here we go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna move on to the next match of the evening. We got Buff Bagwell versus Lex Luger. Vinny get the lotion. Buff is so original, calling his opponent Lex Luger. It Lex Loser. In the build to this, Lex kept losing to Buff the account out, which logically considering which is logical, considering Lex just lost the fucking world title. Uh he should run through this mid carter here instead, these two fuck around. Kind of boring back and forth. A lot of punch and kick stuff. Luger's selling is always dreadful. It fucking sucks. Uh Buff. Also slaps on a chin lock to kill some time. Uh, Luger starts coming back. The crowd sits on their hands. A screaming clothesline. There's always the main sign of a Luger rally is that fucking screaming ah clothesline. He hits some shitty suplexes that end up looking like a fuck brain buster. Vincent jumps in. Luger sends him into Bagwell. We get a ref bump. Uh, Luger flies the rack. Randy Savage jumps in. Gets slammed for his trouble. Savage goes in the rack. Then comes Scott. Norton. He gets laid out with a chain. Well, Luger gets laid out with chain. Buff covers him. In a long 16 minutes and 36 seconds, this was trash. The match sucked. It felt twice as long as it went. Who thought they should go nearly 20 minutes? It's so dumb. Also, that at this point, we're five for five with heels going over on the biggest show of the fucking year. Yeah, and it was actually, yeah, and to be exact, it was 16 minutes and 36 seconds long, and oh, I thought you said 56. Sorry. 
Sorry. But anyway, it, this is a match you would expect both these guys to have. They're both doing what they do and doing it well, in my opinion. And of course, uh, you know, Buff doing the whole, I need my space. Why don't you get back? You know, taking his jacket I, off, the posing. Buff Bagwell carried this entire fucking thing. He did. Bagwell, he was, Bagwell was very good at doing that. You know, he, he was very good at carrying guys to a good match. I've seen him. I've seen him have matches with guys that, you know, during the shows that we've done together, he would have a few matches with guys that, like, have no business being in the ring, but he would find ways to make everything work. Like, Buff could call a match better than most guys today because yeah. everything he says has a purpose. Like, he's one of those guys, like, there are legends in the back that if you tried to go out to them and go over stuff for a match, they would give you the evil eye and say, get the fuck away from me. Buff was one of the few guys that can go up to a Luger or a Flair or a Steiner or a Hogan, and they would say, what you got? And Buff would tell them what to do, give them ideas, and they would approve every one of them because everything to Buff in a ring made sense. Like I said, I watched him call a match. He was in a tag match with three indie guys. Told them exactly what to do. And there's, and of course, they're they're young guys, and they're respectful, so they're listening. They're nodding their heads. They're going, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And Buff even says, and this is how good Buff is because not a lot of legends will do this. Buff's one of the few. Once he's done explaining everything, he says, are we cool with all this? If you have any questions or concerns, tell me now. Because once we go out there, I expect you to know what to do. Yes. But if, if you, you fuck it up, it's on you. Yes. But if you're not sure about anything, tell me now and I'll explain it. And they were like, we understand. We understand. They go out to the ring. Stellar fucking match. Yeah. So I know Buff is very good at that. Now, as much as I love this match and enjoyed it, I didn't. there were some moments, and I'm going to talk about them right now. Uh, at one point, you know, Luger sends Buff out of the ring. He checks his teeth, which I think is hilarious, and decides to call Vincent over. Vincent comes out and they walk to the ring together. The ref doesn't do any counting. What the fuck? Psychology. That's what bothered me. Buff's outside the ring. He's doing all this shit. At no point is the ref going one, two, three. You know, hey, Buff, pay attention. You might need to get back in the ring. Ref didn't do any of that. What is it about these referees? They just sit there with their thumbs up their asses. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? It's it's for goddamn ridiculous. It's like they'll count any other time unless there's like a moment where they're like, oh, they're going to do this spot here. So I can't count. I need to give them time to do the spot. Fuck the spot. Do your goddamn job. Make them work around you. And they give you any shit. You tell them I'm the fucking referee. Respect my authority. I say. And I don't blame the talent. I blame the ref. Get some balls. Tom Brady's not using his. Now, there's also a moment where Luger throws him back in the ring. Luger then jumps and sits on Buff with his neck on the ropes. I'm not quite sure what this move is called. I think somebody told me it was like a jumping guillotine or something. What is the name of this move? Jumping guillotine? Um, yeah, I go with that. Yeah, I heard. I think I heard somebody write that down one time. Or a leaping guillotine, whatever the fuck. That, I'm tired. Buff then rakes the eyes after begging for his life and then clubs the back of Luger, great heel work there, before kicking him in the ribs, and then Tony says, Buff is now riding Lex Luger. Very poor choice of words, Tony! At one point, there's a choke, the ref backs him off, Buff shoves the ref, and the ref yells at him, where's the DQ threat? Th- this is stupid. Like, okay, Buff shoves the ref. I get why he's doing that. He's a heel. But the ref's yelling, but at one point, he should say, keep your hands off me, I'll disqualify you. Say something other than see, getting into a see, shouting see, match. See, see that, as a referee, as a referee, that's what you have to do. You, you, you grab your shirt, and you go, you see this? I'm a referee. I'm a referee. I will disqualify you, Buff. Exactly. That's all you had to do. Yeah. Uh, you, you, yeah. Buff 
then pulls if, Lex. Because if not, it's not Buff's fault. He didn't shit in your mouth. You just forgot to do your duty. Exactly. So again, none of that is Buff's fault. I'm blaming the referee here. Buff yeah, then yeah, pulls yeah. Lex by the legs and he lands on the canvas out of the corner. Yeah, what the hell is that move? Mm -hmm. And then I'm still trying to figure that out. Buff then uh, dots the eyes, shoots him in the corner. Luger counters with a boot and then a running lariat out of the corner. Buff gets up beforehand because that makes sense and covers him for a two. By the way, that was sarcasm. That did not make any sense. Mm -hmm. Like, he gets up beforehand and then covers him. Like, what the fuck? That didn't make any sense. I thought that was a goddamn ridiculous. But yeah. anyway, those were the only negatives I had about this match. Outside of that, I did enjoy this match. And Buff definitely did a good job of carrying Luger on this one. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the WCW United States title. Kurt Henning defends the title against Diamond Dallas Page. Okay, according to commentary here, DDP is replacing Ric Flair here. DDP is far more over than any other babyface so far, including Luger. DDP's early diamond cutter attempts fails. His ribs are taped seemingly forever. Uh, Henning targets them. Dusty claims DDP's ribs won't heal while he is in mortal combat each night. Now, I want this match to end via fatality. Finish him. He exposes the ribs like a true veteran heel. After a short chin lock, Henning is game to, to bump for DDP. Henning blocks the diamond cutter again before DDP does a float over onto one, into one. It gets a huge pop and a win at 10 minutes and 52 seconds. Solid enough match, though a, dis though a disappointment. This should have shaved time off of Buff and Luger and added it here. The right guy went over and the finish was alright. Yes. Did you uh, like Mortal Kombat references? Yes, the Mortal Kombat references were great. Uh, I believe so. Um, overall, I thought this was a very good match. Um, of course, I have one question. Why is the champion coming out first? Mm -hmm. Have we no respect for our champions anymore? Amen. This is this is stupid. I okay. Yeah, We've said this before. And we'll say it again. We understand in a regular match with no belts the on the line, you bring the heel out first. But in title matches, the challenger should always come to the ring first. Whether it be the babyface or the heel. Yes, titles make that an exception to the rule. Correct. Either way, still a great match. DDP and Kurt work very well together. Uh, at one point, um, Kurt gets up, grabs down. Dallas's hair and flips forward. Don't know what the hell that move was. Was that some kind of like, I couldn't tell if that was a snapmare or just him flipping him by his hair. But I happen to notice that these two, they do a lot of hair flipping and pulling and shit. I notice that a lot with these two whenever they walk up in the ring. There's a lot of hair pulling involved. Um, but either way, brutality's great. I also love the part where G Kurt goes for his Hennyplex, but Dallas, um, when he drives his arm down, it looks like he does a diamond cutter on the arm. Did anybody catch that? I thought that was pretty cool. And then eventually they get up. Dallas Dallas hits Henning with the diamond cutter, gets the one, two, three, becomes the new United States champion. And as Gator mentioned before, at this point, Dallas is the most over baby face in the company. And the fact that he was able to, you know, get the U.S. title, he was definitely ready for that belt. He wasn't quite, re quite ready to be the world champion yet, but he was definitely ready for the U.S. title. That was definitely a belt that he was time to put on him. But eventually he would be ready for the world title and it would be a beautiful moment when it happened. But at the very least, he needed to be the United States champion. And I'm glad he replaced Ric Flair in this one because we already seen these two fight in an ODQ match last last month. Um, so we didn't need to see it again. No DQ, definitive win. It didn't need another match, in my opinion. If you want them to have a rubber match, you can put it on Nitro. We've seen that already. Mm -hmm. 
And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We've got with Bret Hart as the guest referee, Larry Zabisco versus Eric Bischoff with Scott Hall. Do I have to do this? Yeah. Oh, God. Bret Hart, hot off the Montreal job, is the referee here. As usual in these matches like this, the heel does a lot of stalling. Larry gets Bischoff down and works submission, but Bret makes him break it because he's choking him. On commentary, and Larry, because it's choking. Larry gets mad at Bret for that. Bischoff, the cowardly heel, gets Larry reeling in the counter. With kicks and the punches, Larry allows it. So Bischoff gets winded, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. This was a shit match. Larry chokes Bischoff with a belt. Brett releases, raises his hand. With no legitimate finish at 1, at 11.24, they execute nearly everything poorly. This went on for way too fucking long. People wanted to see Bischoff get his ass kicked, but it wasn't quite that. Plus, they wasted Brett's debut. This was the shitty. Moving on. Now, obviously, as Gator mentioned, this was Brett's, this was Brett Hart's first pay-per-view appearance since the screw job. And obviously this was just a, it was a basic match. You know, it was Larry, you know, doing what he does. Eric trying to do his karate shit. Like it was, this is another filler match, but it did its job. You know, at one point, Larry locks in a sleeper hole. Brett is checking and he breaks it up because as Gator mentioned, chokehold. Larry does an arm scissor takedown that he turns into a head scissor that Brett breaks up because he says that's a chokehold too. They start arguing. Larry does a scoop Sam and then locks in a standard standing figure four. I've never seen that move before. So I thought that was pretty cool. And I thought that was very well done. And, you know, Larry showing off a move that... It's weird when I see a move that I've... For me to see a move that I've never seen before in wrestling. Because I feel like I've seen them all. Especially lately. And uh, at one point, you know, there's arguing. And I love Brett says, Larry has been wrestling too long to not know the rules. And that's why Brett is very much in Larry's face. And there was one thing that the announcers say that irritates the crap out of me. And it says, the announcers say, Brett doesn't understand the seriousness of all this. It's not his fucking job. The whole point of a referee is to call the match down the middle. It is not Bret Hart's fucking job to go look at the history between Larry Zabisco and Scott Hall and WCW and the NWO and WCW's importance of getting rid of the New World Order. Brett doesn't understand the seriousness of all this. It's not his fucking job to know. No, it's not. His job is to judge the match. Not look at the history, not look at the rivalry, not get personal. That's why they picked him. He was a brand new guy coming into the company. He had no allegiances to anyone. Therefore, he was the perfect guy to ref this match. Now, whether people want to say this is a waste of his debut or not, that's up for discussion. But as far as the storyline is going and in the context of the WCW's kayfabe world, Brett is the perfect ref for this because he doesn't have any personal bonds here. He might have respect for Larry Zabisco as the living legend, but they are not close enough to where Brett's gonna cheat for him. Brett did his fucking job here. So, seriously, fuck off. That was, Eric kicks Larry, but the plate goes shooting off into the stands. Like, Larry and Scott put a steel plate inside Eric's boot. Eric kicks Larry, but the plate goes shooting off into the stands. I can't tell if that was a botch or not, because Brett had to pretend like he didn't see a plate just shoot off into the fucking stands. Uh-huh. So that was definitely an embarrassing botch. Yes, very embarrassing. That was stupid as fuck. It really was. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Brett finally notices a steel plate and DQs Eric, and in the end, uh, Larry Zabisco gets his win. But it's an anticlimactic win where everybody's like, eh, get the fuck out of here. The only yeah. highlight was Brett locking Scott Hall in the Starpshooter. 
Right, yes. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening for the WCW World Heavyweight title. The match that everyone had been waiting for. Hollywood Hogan defends the title against Sting. This is the big one. Over a year in the making. Sting's first match since Fall Brawl 96. Typical Hogan BS start. He jaws with the fans. He stalls. Only tries actual offense here and there. Anytime Sting hits him, the crowd comes unglued. They're way too much fucking stalling here. That should be a big deal. Hogan goes on offense. The crowd is apathetic. They don't want to see this. Hogan hits a body slam. Covers for a three count at 11-18. The count is quick. Brett is outside. Stops the bell from ringing. Well, the count is supposed to be quick, but it really isn't because Nick Patrick. Hogan tries leaving, so Brett brings him back. Series of stinger splashes hit. Scorpion Scorpion Deathlock ends in this him-hum fashion at 12-53. This was an absolute shit show. They booked a match completely fucking wrong. Hogan feared Sting, yet they had him dominate. Then they fucked the screw job, which was a bad idea in the first place. Sting, the supposed savior of WCW, comes across like a loser, and Hogan looks like he got fucked. There are worse matches out there, but this gets to be one of the worst ever due to the sheer importance of what it was and how badly, how badly it was fumbled. Yeah. Thank you. I am Gator Ricky Rock. Yes, and of course, um, as Gator mentioned, it was 12 minutes, 53 seconds. The match before that was 11-12. And the U.S. title match was 10:52. Also, this was the highly anticipated match, um, which I thought started off pretty well. Um, you know, aside from the botch at the end, you know, I thought that it was a very good match. Um, you know, some people, you know, there was a lot of fucking stalling in this match, but I feel like because it was such an anticipated match, the stalling worked because it made the crowd beg for more. I think what it allowed, what it did was when someone finally did throw a shot and it connected, it got a bigger pop. So Hogan, like I said, Hogan goes for a cheap shot. Sting hits him. Hogan complains about the closed fist. I thought that was great. Crowd chanting, Hogan sucks. They go for the test of strength. And I love this part because before the test of strength, Hogan says, this is where the power lies. I haven't heard that in years. So at that moment, like the fan jumped out at me. I felt it was very good. Like the fan jumped out at me. I thought that was really good. Like, you know, I, 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 it's like for a brief moment, I was a Hulkamaniac again when I heard that. Uh, Hogan hits him again and then chokes him in the corner and punches him and he yells, come on, hero. Which I love that, you know. That was another one of those, like, highlight moments of the match where, you know, Hogan's yelling, telling Sting, you're supposed to be the hero. Come on. You ain't so tough. You made me wait all this time, and I'm just whooping your ass until Sting eventually hits two drop kicks. One takes him to the mat. Other knocks him out of the ring. I mean, these two bring the fight until the botch at the end, and everything just goes to shit from there. But afterwards, WWE wrestlers get in the ring. Giant holds up Sting, who holds up the belt as they celebrate taking their company back. Um, the the two moments in this match I didn't like is Sting had an awesome entrance, but I still hate the fact that the champ came out first. This is another one of those problems. And I love that when Sting, throughout this entire match, had just dead nothing eyes. Like... There was no expression on his face. And that's one of Sting's unique gifts that he has with this gimmick and this character. Is Sting has the ability to just stare at you. He's one of the few people that can look at a wrestler, not have to say anything, and it registers. And not everybody can do that. Like, if I had to compare that to a modern wrestler today, it'd be Dexter Loomis. And, of course, Jim Duggan waving the American flag was also unnecessary because both these men are fucking Americans. Hogan and Sting. So, why the flag? The two-by-four would have made more sense here. Duggan did not need to wave an American flag. I know it's his gimmick, but still. There's another one of those moments 
where you don't need to wave a flag because the flag does nothing. Also, the moment's not about him. It's about Sting. Sting's the one that should be celebrating. The rest of you should just be there. This is not your time to get yourselves over. The spotlight is on Sting, who just beat Hogan. Controversial fashion, but still won. All right, now, ladies and gentlemen, wrap up Starcade 97. Make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there. Or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash TheBoochCast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TheBoochCast. Get latest tweets, photos, and videos. Go to the YouTube channel. Visit all of our YouTube content. And, of course, hit the subscribe button. Ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. We've got a few videos up there right now. We got, we're got we nearing the end of Dark Side of the Ring. Make sure you guys check that out. It's going to be a hell of a... Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our video content. We've finally finished Dark Side of the Ring. And we got some... Uh, obviously, if I mentioned, if you guys saw that end of that video, you know we got a Dark Side of the 90s videos coming soon to the YouTube channel. We got a bunch of them filmed already. I just got to edit them and get them out there. We got a few other surprises coming. Uh, one may or may not be coming since Gator wanted to half-ass this fucking show. He just hung up. Um, and I'm fucking pissed off about it. And believe me, I'm going to read him the fucking riot at the next chance I get because he just half-assed this whole fucking thing. I couldn't, I've never been more ashamed or disappointed to work with somebody in my goddamn life. Also, make sure you're following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, November 26th for WWE Survivor Series. Uh, of course, we're going to be getting together at 8 p.m. for War Games. And we look forward to you guys joining us live on Twitch. Also, uh, we got our D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, as well as some other surprise content coming soon. Uh, when we get when it gets there, you guys are going to love it. Also, support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works best within your budget. Our first level is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. Uh, our second level is $4.99, $5 per month, the same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And, of course, we got our third and final level, which you can donate for a mere $9.99. $10. Same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since over the Peacock, you got to know where to put that $9.99. Stay at $9.99. Bring it over here. We got better content in the network, and unlike All Elite Wrestling and unlike Gator Ricky Ross, we actually care about our fans that are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. Now, the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment, we used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and you believe they're to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then, if there's any money left over. When it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zach his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. Talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.